The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. One of the great promises in the Bible, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. To get right to it. Have you ever been there? I mean, dead, tired, flat out, faint, spent. Perhaps you're there in the second week of school. Perhaps you're there just in life. I I am tired of trying to figure this out trying to make it work. I'm tired that the pieces aren't coming together. I'm, I'm tired that, that I can't find either what I'm supposed to do or who I'm supposed to be with or what I'm supposed to do next. Maybe you're, you're tired, you're spent because you've, you've had to take a stand for what's right. And there's something draining. There's, there, there's something that takes it out of you when you do something with, with intelligent effort, with purpose. Maybe you're burned out in ministry or exhausted about things beyond your control. God promises to renew your strength, renew, re-replace what you have, our limited strength, with something new, something bigger, something better, something that only he could provide, that's his strength. Isaiah reminds us that our strength falters and even the youth in this room will faint. Dr. Willingham and I were talking beforehand about health problems. (laughs) It's what old people talk about. Dr. Eidkins talks about it all the time. As you get older, You'll be more tired, but now you, you've got a great deal of vitality. But even you will find frustration and weariness in what you're doing. So I want to give you a friendly reminder at the beginning of a semester that along the way here over the next, uh, well, we've got about, what, 13 and a half weeks left. Along the way, there's going to come a point in time where you're just flat tired of it and worn out. Be reminded from Isaiah 40 of God's strength. It's one of the great promises in Scripture. God makes promises. Let me remind you that he keeps. And God keeps every promise to true fulfillment and in your best interest. Unlike us. Unlike people We promise something and don't always deliver. Businesses like to promise something and they don't deliver. In my office at home, I have a chair that my wife bought for me, a leather chair. We ordered it, it was delivered, had it in my office and the silly leather is like peeling off of the seat and the arms. 
And I'm saying, dude, this is not what I ordered. I ordered a leather chair. And their definition of leather is different than my definition of leather and it's falling apart and I'm having to get a new one because they didn't, in my opinion, keep a promise or live up to an expectation. Businesses often break promises. I looked at a survey of the top things that we get frustrated with over, over interactions or transactions with businesses. Uh, the, the number one most broken promise by business is on-time delivery. Number two, no hidden costs, on-time resolution of issues, simplicity and ease of use of products or services, available interaction with text or customer service, or just fulfilling the terms of a contract. These are all promises that most often get broken. It's just kind of a way of life with us and we have to get around it. This is all a reminder that when God makes a promise, he doesn't break it, unlike some businesses. Unlike some of the people we love the most. You ever been hurt by somebody you love because they promised you something and they didn't deliver? Someday, many of you will stand at an altar and you'll make a sacred promise to love and honor for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, sickness and health, till death do us part. And you have this hopeful expectancy that they'll fulfill their promise and they, your promise. But you know the sad truth is that too many, because they get their eyes off of God as the center of their relationship, fail to keep a promise in their life. You say, I'm really discouraged right now by what you're saying. I'm trying to give you the idea that even with the best intentions, people will fail you. We will fail ourselves. We promise ourselves with resolution, I'm going to do something, and it doesn't come to pass. But God keeps every promise. Hear it from God's heart. God never breaks a promise. He has the attributes the ability to keep every promise. Isaiah 40, write it down, mentally make a note of it. Isaiah 40, the whole chapter is a setup for verse 31. Isaiah 40 is saying, God is big enough. He has everything you need. And because of all this in the whole chapter, verse 31, he'll, he can renew your strength. Let me just tell you about it real fast. Number one, God has unlimited power. He's omnipotent. There's nobody like our almighty God. Even the universe is small compared to him. What seems so big to us is minute to our God. Verses 12 and uh, around verse 12, you'll see that, that God is compared to the mountains. And he measures them out with his hand. And the, the sky, the stars, the dust of the earth. God is omnipotent. He has more power than, um, than, than we can ever imagine or describe. He has the ability to renew our strength because he, has, he is omnipotent. He has unlimited wisdom. Verses 13 and 14, he's omniscient. Nobody has to direct God. Nobody has to advise him, Isaiah says. God's omniscient. 
He can keep his promise because he's omnipotent. He's omniscient. To get renewed strength from God is to get his wisdom. God's in absolute control, verses 15 through 17. He's in control of everything around us. He's in control of nations. Boy, we hear in the news today about all of the, the, the wars and all of the strife across the, the world. God's in control. He knows what's going on. And verse 15 says, you know those nations who are, who are posturing or fighting? He said those nations are like a drop in a bucket. They're nothing compared to God. He's sovereign. So to get renewed strength from God is to understand that, that God can control. He's in control. God has no equal. He transcends all. God's above his creation. Verses 18 through 25. So here it, God has all of these attributes. Omnipotence, omniscience, transcendence, sovereignty. So when he makes a promise, he's got what it takes to keep his promise to you. The same God who created the heavens, numbered and named the stars, powered each one, also gives power to the faint and increases your strength. With his renewed strength, well, you'll know the verse. You'll mount up with wings as eagle. It's a great promise. And it can be kept. You can bank on it because of God's attributes. Be encouraged. But look at the verse. It's a conditional promise. God has a part, and what we've said already and agreed to is that he can do his part. But you have a part too. What's your part? Yeah, the waiting part. The promise to renew your strength extends to those that wait upon the Lord. How many of you, like me, hate to wait? Yes. Oh, I hate it. I hate because I feel like I'm trapped. I can't do anything right now. I have to wait for whatever's coming next. Waiting is frustrating for us. It's a little bit, uh, uh, we, we're a little bit of a victim in the circumstance. For us, waiting is passive. It's uncertain. It's out of our control. One usually resorts to waiting when there's nothing else to do. Yet over 25 times in scripture and 10 times in the Psalms alone, God's people are admonished to wait. So what's it mean? And here's my big encouragement for you today. What's it mean to wait? Does God mean for us just to sit idly by and just wait? I'm waiting for it. Wait for it. No, nothing's happening. Look at Psalm 123 in Scripture. Psalm 123, the psalmist says, Unto thee lift up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of the servants look under their hand of the master, as the eyes of the maiden to the hand of her mistress, 
So our eyes wait on the Lord, our God. To wait doesn't just mean to be passive, just to sit there and hope something comes along. To wait is actually being like, like a waiter. To wait on someone, to serve someone. The scriptural connotation is one of action, eagerly expectant, ready to serve, watching the hand of the master for his cue. So what kind of waiter are you? Are you actively serving right now? Last night you had Christian Service Expo. It's a great example of waiting on the Lord because right now most of us are training to do something, all of us are training to do something with our lives that God's called us to. And we're really eager to get out there and to start doing it. I'm, I'm tired of getting ready. Let's just get out there and do it. Well, along the way, while you're preparing, many of you are serving. And you're expectantly preparing yourself for what God has for you next. So what kind of waiter are you? Are you watching for his hand of direction? Are you acting when he signals? You ever been to a nice restaurant where a waiter is very attentive? He keeps your water glass filled. He knows when you're ready for the next course. He's paying attention to your needs. He's expectant, he's watching. He's not just back in the kitchen, hoping everything's going okay, he's there, active in service. This is what I'm talking about. Be active right now, doing what you should do today. So waiting is expectantly serving the Lord and watching for the Lord's direction. This is where we are. We're waiting. We're waiting for God to show us who's the right one. If there is a right one. Girl saying, not here. Well, maybe somewhere else. But God has something for you. It may not even be married. But we wait on the Lord's direction. And in the meantime, we're not trying to make it happen. Do you ever get flat worn out trying to make things happen? This is what I think happens in, in Isaiah 40, 31. The young people faint and are weary because they're conniving and they're manipulating and they're striving to make it all work out for themselves. And it wears them out. But if you wait on the Lord, then all of that effort that's wasted on things that are really outside of your control is replaced with God's sovereign presence. So expectantly serving the Lord and waiting for his direction. The waiter times his service to the diner's needs and to proper etiquette, never clearing before the right time never bringing another course until it's appropriate. To wait on the Lord means to wait for his timing. You know, Ecclesiastes 3.1. To everything, there's a season and a time for every purpose under the, the heaven. David, one of my great heroes, a man after God's own heart. David understood this. 
David was already anointed to be king. He could have, because he was very popular, he could have manipulated the situation and tried to make it happen and risen to the throne more quickly. But he waited for God's timing. Now, part of that was running from Saul, who was trying to kill him. He hid in a cave in Engedi. And you know the story. Paul and his tribe came in. Paul goes into, or uh, um, uh, Saul goes into the uh, cave, and, uh, and David had the opportunity to kill him. But David didn't kill the king, Saul. David didn't take matters into his own hand and manipulate the situation. Happened again in the wilderness of Ziph in 1 Samuel 26. Saul is sleeping. Abishai wanted to kill the king, Saul. And David said no. In both cases, David confronts King Saul and says, why are you trying to kill me? I'm honoring you. I'm waiting for the time that I'll be king. He didn't take matters into his own hands. David respected the king, waited for God's timing. So what does waiting mean? Acting at the right moment and patient for the appropriate time. Too many people try to move too early. Hear me, dear college student, high school student. Teenagers want to reach ahead and become independent before they're ready. They just want to get out of the house. Dating couples don't want to wait sexually for that which is meant for marriage. Many want to buy things now that they really can't afford instead of waiting until the time is right. Young people often settle for the first thing that comes along rather than waiting for the best thing that God has for them. Young professionals often look for pay or position without realizing it comes with time and experience. Wait for it. Waiting for the Lord means accepting where God has you now. I said it earlier, but I remember it as a college student, trying to manipulate the situation, trying to connive and plan and make things happen for myself. And I remember that I was so discontent and so weary because things weren't coming together the way I wanted it to come together, forever dissatisfied. But waiting, where you renew your strength, where God places his strength into you, comes with being content. Waiting for the right time is not hard. It's not frustrating or compelling. Ecclesiastes reminds us there's a time, there's a, 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 for everything, a season. Time to be born and die, to plant and pluck up, to kill, heal, break, build, weep, laugh, mourn, dance, cast, gather, embrace, refrain. You see the list, it's Ecclesiastes chapter three. So because there's a season for this, what profit, what good is it 
if you try to work at it and make this out of your own labor happen. The writer of Ecclesiastes, see, and I've seen what it does. I've seen the travail that God's given to the sons of men who are exercised, who are wearing themselves out by trying to make things happen. But God, God's made everything beautiful in his time. I don't know why the Lord gave me this encouragement for you today, but there may be some of us in here who are trying to decide, do I stay in college or do I wait? Do I go with this guy or do I wait in a commitment? Do I... Do, 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 do I try to make my own way in life or do I allow God to leave me? Great balance is found being content where you are now. You're in college. Guys, <clears throat> older people will say this to you. You don't know how good you have it. Right now, these are the best years of your life. Enjoy it. Make the most of your college experience. Find the habit of waiting on the Lord and of getting into his word and finding leading by the Holy Spirit. Don't reach into the future. Don't try to do something that's not meant for now. And by the way, don't live in the past. Right now, the present is where you're at. So there's my call to action. Prioritize the present. Be willing to reprioritize anything that doesn't belong right now in your life. Have faith in God's attributes, his unlimited power, his unlimited wisdom, his absolute control and unequaled perspective. Have faith that God can keep his promise and then serve him expectantly. In the right time, he'll renew your strength. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.